book five chapter four of the heavenly twins this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org the heavenly twins by sarah grand book five chapter four the lonely man after leaving angelica that night had returned to the close walking like one that hath a weary dream when he entered his little house and the sitting-room where the lamp was still burning its yellow light in sickly contrast to the pale twilight of the summer dawn which was beginning to brighten by that time the discomfort consequent on disorder struck a chill to his heart the roses still lay scattered about the floor but they had been trampled under foot and their beauty had suffered their freshness was marred and their perfume rising acrid from bruised petals greeted him unwholesomely after the fresh morning air and rendered the atmosphere faint and oppressive the stand with the flower-pots much disarranged stood as he had left it when he pulled it roughly aside to get at the grate and the fire had burnt out leaving blackened embers to add to the general air of dreariness and desertion angelica's violin lay under the grand piano where he had heedlessly flung it when he loosed it from her rigid grasp and there were pipes and glasses and bottles about chairs upset and displaced books and papers music and magazines piled up in heaps untidily to be out of the way all the usual signs to sum up which suggest that a room has been used overnight for some unaccustomed purpose convivial or the reverse a condition known only to the early house and parlour maid as a rule and therefore acting with peculiarly dismal effect upon the chance observer but more dismal now to the weary tenor than any room he had ever seen under similar circumstances by reason of the associations that clung about it he opened the window wide extinguished the lamp and began mechanically to put things away and arrange the chairs the habit of doing much for himself prompted all this anything that was not a matter of habit he never thought of doing his things were drying on him and he had forgotten that they had ever been wet he had forgotten too that the night was past and over he was heart-sick and weary yet did not feel that there was any need of rest the extraordinary lucidity of mind of which he had been conscious while his much-loved boy was in danger had left him now and only a blurred recollection as of many incidents crowding thickly upon each other without order or sequence recurred to him he suffered from a sense of loss from an overpowering grief the kind of grief which is all the worse to bear because it has not come in the course of nature but by the fault of man a something that might have been helped as when a friend is killed by accident or lost to us otherwise than by death the consequence of disease but one persistent thought beset him the same thing over and over again exhausting him by dint of forced reiteration the girl he had been idolizing well there was no such person and there never had been and that was all yet what an all in the first moment of the terrible calamity that had befallen him it seemed now that there could have been nothing like the misery of this home returning 
the barren black despair of it it was the hopeless difference between pain and paralysis then he had suffered but at least he could feel now he felt nothing except that all feeling was over when he had finished the simple arrangement of his room he still paced restlessly up and down shaking back his yellow hair and brushing his hand up over it as if the gesture eased the trouble of his mind if even the boy had been left me he thought and it was the one distinct regret he formulated after a while his housekeeper arrived a pleasant elderly woman who had attended him ever since he came to morning quest it was not in his nature to let any personal matter whether it were pain or pleasure affect the temper of his intercourse with those about him and the force of habit helped him now again to rouse himself and greet the woman in his usual kindly courteous way so that being unobservant she noticed no change in him except that he was up earlier than usual but then he was always an early riser she therefore set about her work unsuspiciously and presently drove him out of the sitting-room with her dustpan and brush and he went upstairs there happening to catch a glimpse of his own haggard face and discreditable flannels in the mirror he began to change mechanically and dressed himself with all his habitual neatness and precision then a little choir-boy came to be helped with his music it was the one who sang the soprano solos in the cathedral a boy with a lovely voice and much general as well as musical ability both of which the tenor laboured to help him to develop he came every morning for lessons and the tenor gave him these and such a breakfast also as a small boy loves but the little fellow to do him justice cared more for the tenor than the breakfast there were three services in the cathedral that day and the tenor went to each but he did not sing he seemed to have taken cold and was hoarse with a slight cough and a peculiar little stab in his chest and catching of the breath which however did not trouble him much to begin with but as the day advanced every bone in his body ached with a dull wearying pain and he was glad to go to bed early once there the sense of fatigue was overpowering yet he could not sleep until long past midnight when he dropped off quite suddenly or rather as it seemed to him when all at once he plunged headlong into the river to rescue the boy and began to go down 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 to a never-ending depth the weight of the water above him becoming greater and greater till the pressure was unbearable and a horrid sense of suffocation increasing every instant impelled him to struggle to the surface but vainly he could not rise and down down he continued to descend reaching no bottom yet dropping at last before he could help himself on a sharp stake pointed like a dagger that ran right through his chest the pain aroused him with a great start but the impression had been so vivid that it was some time before he could shake off the sensation of descending with icy water about him and even when he was wide awake and although he was bathed in perspiration the feeling of cold remained and so did the pain it was during that night that the weather changed the next day it was blowing a gale heavy showers began to fall at intervals chilling the atmosphere and finally settled into a steady downpour such as frequently occurs in the middle of summer making everything indoors humid and unwholesome and causing colds and sore throats and other unseasonable complaints the tenor taught this little choir-boy as usual in the morning went to the three services getting more or less wet each time 
and then came home and tried to do some work but was not equal to it his head ached then tried to smoke but the pipe nauseated him and finally resigned himself to idleness and just sat still in his lonely room lonely of heart himself yet with his hands patiently folded dreamily watching the rain as it beat upon the old cathedral opposite and streamed from eve and gargoyle and splashed from the narrow spouting under the roof making spreading pathways of dark moisture for itself on the grey stone walls wherever it overflowed it was all his will to the tenor and for his sake there was nothing he would not have borne heroically his cough was much worse that day the pain in his chest was more acute and his temperature rose higher and higher yet he did not complain he knew he was suffering from something serious now but he derived from his perfect faith in the beneficence of the power that orders all things an almost superhuman fortitude but as he sat there with his hands folded his mind busy with many things returned inevitably to the old weary theme just as at the same time angelica's own was doing but from the opposite point of view always after a startling event those who have been present as spectators or taken some part in it repeat their experiences and make some remark upon them again and again in exactly the same words their minds working upon the subject like heat upon water that boils forming it into bubbles which it bursts and reforms incessantly he began each time with that remark of angelica's about the change which mere dress effects and went on to wonder at the transformation of a strong young woman into a slender delicate-looking boy by it and then went on to accept her conclusion that it was natural he should have been deceived seeing that in the first place he had not the slightest suspicion and in the second he had never seen the boy except in his own dimly lighted room or out of doors at night besides it was not the first time that a boy had been successfully personated by a girl a man by a woman but here he found himself obliged to rehearse the instances which angelica had quoted then he would reconsider the fact that the part had been well played not only attitudes and gestures but ideas and sentiments and the proper expression of them had been done to perfection which led up again to another assertion of hers she had been a boy for the time being there was no doubt about that and yet if he had had the slightest suspicion there had been the shyness at first which had worn off as it became apparent that the disguise was complete the horror of being touched or startled of anything as he now perceived which might have caused a momentary forgetfulness and so have led to self-betrayal the boyishnesses which alternating with older moods might have suggested something but had only charmed him the womanishnesses of which alas there had been too few as seen by the light of this new revelation the physical differences but they had been cleverly concealed as she said by the cut of her clothing and pads the funny head however about which they had both jested so often oh dear how sick he was of the whole subject if only it would let him alone but what pretty ways he had had the boy what a dear dear lad 
he had been with all his faults alas alas if only the boy had been left him then a pause then off again he had been enchanted like raymond of lusignan in olden times by a creature that was half a monster the boy had been a reality to him but the lady had never been more than a lovely dream and the monster well the monster had not yet appeared for that dark-haired girl in the unwomanly clothes with pride on her lips and pain in her eyes was no monster after all but an erring mortal like himself a poor weak creature to be pitied and prayed for and the tenor bowed his sunny head and prayed for her earnestly through all the long hours of solitary suffering which closed that day then came another sleepless night and another gloomy morning which brought his little chorister boy whom he tried to teach as usual but even the child saw what the effort cost him and looked at him with great tender eyes solemnly and was very docile before the early service one of his fellow lay clerks came in to see how he was they had all noticed the feverish cold from which he had appeared to be suffering the whole week and this one not finding him better begged him to stay in that day and take care of himself for the sake of his voice the tenor brushed his hand back over his hair he had forgotten that he ever had a voice but at all events he must go to the morning service after that he would stay at home he longed for the blessed sacrament which was always a holy communion to him but he did not say so that afternoon he fell asleep in his easy chair facing the window which looked out upon the cathedral or into a troubled doze rather from which he awoke all at once with a start and seeing the window shut rose hurriedly to go and open it for the boy he had done so before at night often when he chanced to forget it but when he got to it now he had to clutch the frame to support himself and he looked out stupidly for some seconds wondering in a dazed way why the sun was shining when it should be dark then suddenly full consciousness returned and he remembered he should never open the window again for the boy never again he returned to his chair after that and sat down to think when he began to understand it thoroughly the meaning of the last incident he was startled out of the apathy that oppressed him it became evident now that he was not merely suffering but fast becoming disabled by illness and it was time he let some one know otherwise there might be confusion and annoyance about his work finding a substitute and there would be a risk about about what was he trying to think of oh her name he might mention it and be overheard by curious people if he lost his head angelica mrs kilroy of ilverthorpe he wished he could forget but he would provide against the danger of repeating them aloud he would telegraph to his own man the fellow had written to him the other day being in want of a place a capital servant and discreet glad he had thought of him and then there were other matters the sensible setting of his house in order which every man threatened with illness would be wise to see to there were several letters he must write one to the dean amongst others to ask him to come and see him writing was a great effort but he managed with much difficulty to accomplish all that he had set himself to do and then his mind was at rest presently his old housekeeper came in with some tea she was anxious about him i brought you this sir she said you've not tasted a solid morsel since tuesday morning and this is thursday afternoon try and take something sir it will do you good 
you must be getting quite faint and indeed you look it now i call that good of you the tenor answered hoarsely as he took the cup from her hand i shall be glad to have some tea i've been quite longing for something hot to drink the woman was examining his face with critical kindness she noticed the constant attempt to cough and the painful catching of the breath which rendered the effort abortive i am afraid you are not at all well sir she said expecting him to deny it but he did not i am not at all well to tell you the truth he confessed i have just written to the dean to tell him and a fit of coughing rendered the end of the sentence unintelligible i want you to post these letters he was able to say at last distinctly send this telegram off at once to my servant and leave this note at the deanery that will do as you go home the man should be here to-morrow and anything else there may be can be attended to when he arrives you'll let your friends know you're not very well sir the housekeeper suggested those letters indicating the ones she held in her hand are to tell them the woman seeing to whom the letters were addressed and hearing the tenor talk in an off-hand way about his manservant as if he had been accustomed to the luxury all his life feared for a moment that his mind was affected but then some of those wild surmises as to whom and what he might be which were rife all over the ancient city when he first arrived recurred to her and there slipped from her unawares the remark well they always said you was somebody and to look at you one might suppose you was a duke or a marcus sir but i won't make so bold as to ask the tenor smiled i am afraid i am only a tenor with an abominable cold he rejoined good-naturedly i really think i must nurse it a little when i have seen the dean i shall go to bed you'll see the doctor first she muttered decisively as she took up the tray and withdrew the tenor overheard her but was past making any objection he had managed to take the tea and eased by the grateful warmth he sank into another heavy doze from which the arrival of the doctor roused him it was evening then he made an effort to rise in his courteous way to receive the doctor was sorry to trouble him for anything so trifling as a cold would not have troubled him in fact had not his officious old housekeeper taken the law into her hands but now that he had come was very glad to see him singers as the doctor knew being fidgety about their throats and really with a smile even a cold was important when it threatened one's means of livelihood the doctor responded cheerfully to these cheerful platitudes but he was listening and observing all the time then he took out a stethoscope in two pieces and as he screwed them together he asked been wet lately well yes the tenor answered something of that kind and you did not change immediately N no now i think of it not for hours in fact i believe my things dried on me ah shaking his head and you'd been living rather low before that perhaps just let me take your temperature i should say that you had got a little down below par you know eh well perhaps the tenor acknowledged huh the doctor glanced at his clinical thermometer you have a temperature young man now let me he applied the stethoscope i'm afraid you are in for a bad dose he said after a careful examination 
i wish you had sent for me twenty-four hours sooner these things should be taken in time and it is marvellous how you have kept about so long but now go to bed at once keep yourself warm and the temperature as even as possible it is all a matter of nursing but i'll say he had been going to say your life but change the phrase your voice never fear the tenor smiled pneumonia i suppose he said interrogatively i am sorry to say it is the doctor answered as he rose to depart and double pneumonia to boot i'll send you something to take at once and he hurried away before the housekeeper had time to speak to him when the medicine arrived however she had the satisfaction of administering a dose to her master and she begged at the same time that she might be allowed to stay in the house that night in case he wanted anything but this the tenor would not hear of he did not think he should want anything he could think of nothing unfortunately but the risk of mentioning angelica's name she might come a little earlier in the morning and get him some tea probably he would be glad of some then he was not going to get up in the morning he really meant to take care of himself the housekeeper coaxed but in vain there was no place for her to sleep in comfort no bell to summon her and as to sitting up all night that was out of the question who would do her work in the morning there would be plenty of people to look after him to-morrow one night could make no difference had she heard the doctor's orders she would have disobeyed her master but as it was his manner imposed upon her he spoke so confidently and accordingly she left the house at the usual hour to the tenor's great relief when she had gone he was seized with an attack of hematysis and after he had recovered from that sufficiently he went to bed or rather he found himself there not knowing quite how it had come to pass for the disease had made rapid progress in the last few hours and he now suffered acutely his temperature was higher and the terrible sense of suffocation continued to increase it was at this time that the dean in his comfortable easy-chair looked up from the tenor's note and said to his wife deprecatingly he is ill it seems and wishes to see me do you think i need go to-night no my dear certainly not was the emphatic reply there cannot be much the matter with him i saw him out only yesterday or the day before and at all events it will do in the morning you must consider yourself so the dean stayed at home to lay up a lifelong regret for himself but not with an easy conscience he had a sort of feeling that it would be well to go but which his dislike to turning out on a raw night like that would not have outweighed without his wife's word in the scale nothing was being done to relieve the tenor there were no medicines regularly administered no soothing drinks for him no equable temperature no boiling water to keep the atmosphere moist with steam the common necessaries of such a case all these the tenor knowing his danger had composedly foregone lest perchance in a moment of delirium he should mention a lady's name and that he had had the foresight to do so was a cause of earnest thanksgiving to him when every breath of cold air began to stab like a knife through his lungs and his senses wandered away for lengths of time which he could not compute and he became conscious that he was uttering his thoughts aloud in spite of himself it is not so very long till morning 
he found himself saying once i will just lie still and bear it till then i'm drowsy enough and in the morning but now all at once he asked himself was there to be any more mourning for him he was too healthy-minded to long for death and too broken-hearted to shrink from it his first feeling however when he realized the near prospect was nothing but a kind of mild surprise that it should be near and even this was instantly dismissed no more mourning for him meant little leisure to think of her and ere he hastened to fold his hands and bow his golden head lord lord he entreated in the midst of his martyrdom make her a good woman yet the bells above him broke in upon his prayer amen and amen they seemed to say and then the chime full fraught for him with promise rang its constant message out and as he listened his heart expanded with hope his last earthly sorrow slipped away from him and his soul relied upon the certainty that his final supplication was not in vain after this he was conscious of nothing but his own sufferings for a little then there came a blank and next he thought he was singing he heard his own marvellous voice and wondered at it and he remembered that once before he had had the same experiences but when or where he could not recall now he would fain have stopped for every note was a dagger in his breast yet he found himself forced to sing till at last the pain aroused him when full consciousness returned a terrible thirst devoured him what would he not have given for a drink something to drink and someone to bring it to him what made him think of his mother just then where was his mother it was just as well perhaps she should not be there to see him suffer he had never a bitter thought in his mind about any personal thing nor did he dream of bemoaning the cruel fate which left him now at his death as at his birth deserted what he did think of were the many kind people who would have been only too glad to come to his assistance had they but known his need but the torment of thirst increased upon him he thought of the dear lord in his agony of thirst and bore it for a time then he remembered that there must be water in the room with great difficulty he got up to get it for himself his face was haggard and drawn by this time and there were great black circles round his sunken eyes but the expression of strength and sweetness had been intensified if anything and he never looked more beautiful than then it seemed like a day's journey to the washstand he reached it at last however reached it and grasped the carafe with such a feeling of relief and thankfulness alas it was empty so also was the jug the woman had forgotten for once to fill them and there was not a drop of water to moisten his lips tears came at this and he sank into a chair it was hard and he was much exhausted but still there was no reproach upon his lips presently he found himself in bed again with his pillows arranged so as to prop him up the struggle for breath was awful and he could not lie down he had only to fight for a little longer however then suddenly the worst was over and at the same moment as it seemed to him the chime rang out again triumphantly and almost immediately afterward his first friend and foster father the rough collier grasped his hand but he had scarcely greeted him 
when his second friend arrived and bending over him called him as of old julian my dear dear boy this reminded the tenor where is the boy he said is the window open it is time he came israel phil i am here was the soft response the tenor's face became radiant all whom he had ever cared for were present with him coming as he called them even the dean who was kneeling now beside his bed murmuring accustomed prayers what happiness the tenor murmured i was so sorrowful this afternoon and now a happy death a happy death ah boy do you not see that he gives us our heart's desire he slumbers not nor sleeps and the tenor's face shone then the chime was ringing again and now it never ceased for him he had sunk into the last dreamy lethargy from which only the clash of the bells above roused him hour by hour during the few that remained but all sense of time was over the hours were one and so the beloved music accompanied him till his spirit rose enraptured to the glory of the beatific vision itself it was just at the dawn when the boy was wont to leave him that according to his ancient faith the dear earned wings were given him the angel guardian led him and the true and beautiful pure spirit was welcomed by its kindred into everlasting joy End of book five chapter four